Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right, so here we are. We're joined by Devet Swanapool. Devet, how are you doing today? Good, thanks, Dave. It's good to be with you. Good, good. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Dave, yes. So I am a research audiologist. My day job is as a professor of audiology at the University of Pretoria. I also wear a couple of other hats. I'm also the editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Audiology. And I am also a co-founder of the Eurex Group, a digital hearing health tech company, uh, where I serve as a scientific advisor as well. Very cool. Well, yes, like you said, University of Pretoria. So uh, I'm really excited to have you on to have this conversation today, but you're also helping to round out my map of guests. So now I have a guest from South Africa on, which is really cool. Um, So the reason I wanted to have you on today is um, I think you have a really fascinating story about, you know, how you kind of came into this uh, audiology industry. And, you know, because I think you're based out of South Africa, um, particularly with Hirex Group, um, you've you've kind of have this uh, very remote oriented mindset. I think um, you know as you deal with people in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Um, you know, obviously, you're not in person, so I think you've always sort of been a little bit hamstrung, a little bit in terms of having to get creative with the, um, you know, your ability to meet people wherever they are. And I think that's really kind of translated into all the work that you're doing with Hurex. And, you know, with this podcast, I've had a number of uh, conversations on here, you know, really going back to the start of the pandemic around, you know, the rise of telehealth and remote services as a whole throughout the healthcare system, but in, you know, Uh, specifically talking about this industry. And I wanted to continue that conversation today with you because I do think that you're on the forefront. So why don't we start with Hurex Group? Um, Can you share a little bit about this company that you started, what the vision is, and sort of where you are today with this company? Sure, Dave. That's a that's a long story. I can I can go back a long <laughs> way if, if I really want to start right at the beginning. Look, my my area of research interest has always been around accessibility of hearing care services, and and you're absolutely right. You know, when you come from a context where there's such a scarcity of access to services, um, you know, innovation is kind of uh, out of necessity, right? Uh, so. So you need to come up with innovative ways of, of trying out new models. And, and very soon in my research career, I, I realized that, that, that really to make you know, an impact that's bigger than just the kind of incremental ad- addressing of hearing loss, we, we, we do need to turn to digital health um, technologies. Uh, the connected world you know, was really kind of the influencer of change in, in, in low and middle income countries in Africa. I, I think of the kind of um, uh, the, the, the mobile operators, you know, they, they really changed the landscape in Africa entirely in industries like, like banking and agriculture. And, uh, and, and certainly it's starting to happen in, in, in hearing care. And, and I, I, I just felt that it should also happen in, in, in um, not just in health in general, but also in hearing care in particular. So, so, so Eurex is kind of born from the research we did, you know, over the past 10, 15 years. Um, it's a tech spin out from the University of Pretoria. We developed a couple of um, uh, patents and some IP that was then spun out into a, a digital tech company uh, that was founded in towards the end of 2015 and started uh, operating uh, with two employees in 2016. That's awesome. Uh, as a side note, I, I just find it fascinating, particularly with uh, emerging markets. You know, 
like you mentioned with the mobile, uh, kind of the dawn of mobile computing. And, you know, you look at places like Africa, India, um, they're not really inundated with a lot of legacy systems. So in many ways, they can leapfrog um, kind of into these new technologies. And, and you see it with, like you said, mobile banking is it's huge in, in a lot of these parts of the world. And I think that actually ties into this conversation because uh, so much of, you know, the, the probably the biggest limitation to adoption is the mindset of, well, this is how we've always done it, both from the patient and also from the provider. And so I do think it's kind of fascinating when you look at parts of the world where, you know, maybe that mindset didn't really exist because it was um, it was such a raw market in a sense. And, and so then you introduce sort of like the successor to the technology or the systems that exist in, in these more developed countries, and they're not having to transition and deal with all the incumbent legacy systems and processes. So I always find that really fascinating um, where, you know, you kind of tend to see some of the most advanced technology um, being most rapidly adopted by some of these emerging markets. You're absolutely right, uh, Dave. So, uh, you know, in, in a way, the leapfrogging means you, you're not bound by the traditional kind of constraints of thinking about service delivery in the old fashioned way of doing it. And you're, and, and that's typically, you know, uh, the way in which clinicians um, often operate and all of us are like that, but, but we do things uh, this, this way because it's always been done this way. And, and sometimes if there's actually no service infrastructure, right. it, it gives you the freedom to actually innovate and come up with um, new solutions. And it's just because the mega trends have also kind of uh, combined at the right time, you know, connectivity um, uh, has penetrated the, all, all areas of the world, We're oversubscribed in terms of mobile penetration um, rates around the world. Um, but at the same time, we've seen this digital uh, revolution, you know, the fourth industrial revolution taking place um, at the same time. And so there's this convergence of technologies and connectivity that, that, that's really exciting in terms of the solutions that are possible. And yeah. then at the same time, you know, maybe, you know, just to sketch the bigger context, if you look at a continent like Africa with more than a billion people, and you realize there's a prevalence rate of hearing loss of, you know, around 7%, and, and less than 3% of people who have hearing loss actually are able to access hearing aids. Mm -hmm. You realize that you know, existing models are not delivering the care that people need, so, so it necessitates innovation. Yeah, no, I think that's actually, uh, it started out as a tangent, but I now realize like how much this will pertain to our broader conversation because, you know, you look at, um, you know, somebody in, in Africa or India, maybe the first uh, computer they've really ever interacted with might be their phone. And that's actually a pretty profound thing to think about when you put it at scale, because, you know, suddenly you're, you're kind of opening their eyes to the possibilities that exist in there. They're sort of operating at that mobile first mindset. And, you know, so you say, well, you know, most Android, even a $20 Android phone, it still has a, a semblance of connectivity. And so for, the types of hearing aids that are starting to really come on the market, um, you know, they might not be uh, up to the same caliber of, you know, the, the high-end hearing aids that we see here in the States, but they're the, like you said, these mega trends that are converging together are enabling, I think, um, they're kind of setting the stage for widespread accessibility uh, finally, you know, kind of finally giving us the ability to, to serve at scale a lot of these underserved populations all around the world. And, and again, that's why I think your company is really interesting because, you know, most of the conversations I've had have been very U.S. specific. But when we look at this as a very global problem, I'm sure there are tons of different World Health Organization stats out there that say, you know, the prevalence of, of hearing loss across the globe. It's, you know, if you apply these figures, these percentages, if it's 10%, 15%, you know, we're obviously looking at billions of people. So how do we make it so that this type of technology sort of fits into these macro level trends and, and, and can be part of that solution. And so I think with Hurex, what's really interesting is because you're, you know, based out of Africa, um, 
clearly you're going to always be somewhat focused on the U.S. market, but I think some of the international growth uh, is probably really exciting to you all as well. Um, so is that, I mean, how, how do you look at all of these different markets and uh, kind of both from the like a business perspective, but also from, like you said, your core mission being accessibility driven? Yeah. Yeah, Dave. So, I mean, it kind of comes back to the vision of Eurex. So, so, so we started early on, uh, you know, and we realized we need to be a vision-led company. That's the reason we started. So, so our vision is healthy hearing for everyone everywhere. Uh, it's a big vision, but but we believe, you know, with, with these tech types of technologies um, and being partner-centric, it, it really should be possible. We have everything available to us to, to see that vision become a reality in, in the next uh, couple of decades. So, so um, we are an impact-driven uh, startup or scale-up as well. So, so we really chase impact. We want to uh, touch people's lives as many as, as possible. And, and like you mentioned, we started out um, you know, on the continent of Africa, but now we um, have products that are used uh, by different groups um, and government organizations in uh, more than 39 countries. So, so, so it's, it's quickly spread. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, we developed it for the kind of um, low and middle income country context to be accessible and affordable. But very soon you realize that these mobile uh, solutions are, are, are actually also very relevant and, and needed in, in high income countries. So it's actually been a bit of a pull factor that's yeah. pulled us to the U.S. market, right? So, um, and, and at this stage, uh, that is one of the big markets where EuroX is growing and, and, and doing some interesting things with new models, um, but also in line with affordability and accessibility of hearing care um, to individuals. So let's talk about some of these products that you alluded to there. Um, I've looked at, you know, poked around on your website uh, and, you know, I've, I've just kind of come across um, some of the different things that you have. So you have, you know, the hearing screener. Let's start there. Talk about this because I know that you guys just passed a pretty cool milestone with a million hearing tests. So talk a little bit about this because I believe this was probably one of the first products that you guys developed. Uh, yes, exactly, Dave. So, you know, the way in which we want to operationalize this vision of healthy hearing for everyone everywhere is really to set ourselves the mission of providing affordable access to hearing health using digital solutions that anyone can use anywhere. So, so this has been our philosophy. So it should be extremely high tech uh, uh, pieces of equipment or devices that are always connected or that at least should connect at some point in time but they should be so simple to operate that anyone you know, should be able to actually operate the device and facilitate the test. So, so that's kind of the philosophy around how we started out developing our technology. So our first hearing screening device called Ear Screen, we um, really started developing in 2013. And, and our aim was to use the least expensive or the most inexpensive Android phone at that time. It was a small little... Um, uh, device that uh, almost looked like a, a, just a feature phone. And, okay. and we said, if we can make peer tone audiometry screening work on that with calibrated headphones, then we know we could, you know, make it work on, on, on any platform. And, yeah. and eventually we got that right. Um, and uh, th that was the first technology and it was called Hear Screen. And uh, it was developed so that lay health workers, teachers, nurses can operate the device do a test in unconventional environments, primary healthcare clinics, um, schools, uh, early childhood development centers. We utilize the sensors of the device to ensure we do very good quality control. So because you have lay health workers or lay persons doing the testing with minimal training, you need to be sure if you want to rely on the results that you're doing lots of quality control, utilizing the technology at your disposal. So, for example, we calibrate the microphones of these devices so that we actually um, can measure the environmental noise accurately in real time while you're doing the test. So that's a quality control metric that uh, is captured in real time and synced to the cloud. So, 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 so an audiologist can remotely uh, review the program. We also do things like, you know, we track false positive responses. We track the quality index of the operator doing the testing. And we do this in an ecosystem that allows us to sync seamlessly from a from mobile device into the cloud-based um, platform. 
as an electronic health record system so that so that you can have program managers that can can then monitor uh, the quality of of these programs remotely and that's really the teleaudiology concept right yeah no i that's um the way i view it is that you know this ability to like you said i think provide lay people if you will with something that is kind of foolproof um and it allows for you to facilitate these kinds of services in a way that you're confident you're going to ensure the right results and uh so if you've done a million of those tests i mean where where was some of the initial uptake and is it all are all of these administered um through like a handheld device or some of them done through a website just help me to understand what comprises this million tests yes yeah, so, so and, and and i kind of just started with the initial device which is a, a medical grade um peer-tone audiometer in essence that functions on an android device with a calibrated pair of headphones that, that that's called the ear screen okay but we have a number of different hearing test products and this million tests have been conducted across all these platforms so so we also um, have a diagnostic version of this test, which is called your test, which is, uh, you know, to conduct uh, peer tone audiometry um, and extended high frequency peer tone audiometry. And, uh, and then we also have other options um, that are web based. So these technologies I've just mentioned to you are technologies where we provide or Eurex provides the smartphone calibrated with a pair of headphones um preloaded with the software so those apps you can't download but we have also been working with various colleagues and partners around the world on developing a digital noise tests uh, where we provide them as apps um, and as a widget that people can embed on a website uh, which allows for online hearing screening or app-based hearing screening in fact we we launched the first version of this as, as the first national hearing screening test that you can download as a freely downloadable app on iOS and, and Android called Yearzeda, which is the South African national hearing test. And it was such a success. We launched it in 2016 that you know we've worked with partners to launch several other iterations of this. And uh, in 2018, we launched uh, Yearhu for the WHO, which uses our technology and, and, and we uh, provide that solution for them. And we're now working on expanding the different languages so that we'll support six languages in that app um, uh, towards the end of this year. In fact, on the 3rd of March this year, we'll add Spanish and Mandarin to the Yearhu app. That's awesome. So this idea of embedding a widget really catches my attention. Um, a lot of the conversations that I've had on this podcast or in outside of the podcast have sort of been like this. The pandemic hits in March, you know, 2020, and it became apparent very quickly that we need to adapt as an industry. Um, and I think telehealth sort of becomes a primary focus for not just the, you know, the hearing care industry, but by and large for healthcare in general. And, you know, so I think a lot of people were pushed outside of their comfort zones and were looking for, okay, how do we, you know, what are these kinds of things that we can provide um, in a no touch or a low touch type model? And I want to really get into that a little bit further along in the conversation. But, um, you know, I think that what happened though is, you know, obviously there was a necessity to innovate and you know, you can, uh, one of the ways that we'll probably look back at the pandemic in hindsight will be it's the great accelerant. You know, it took some trends that were probably in their incubation periods that were on a trajectory to grow, but it just accelerated them big time. And I think telehealth will be one of those things because I think it made it apparent that, okay, this is something that we need to fully wrap our heads around and figure out how do we go about implementing something like this. Um, and then, you know, as the fear started to recede into the summer and patients started to come in, back into the clinic, I think a lot of people felt, well, I'm going to just revert back to the way that I had been doing business because it's just what I know and I'm more comfortable and, and being uncomfortable kind of sucks. And so um, I, but I think that there were a few things that happened in that, even in that small window that are going to become relevant for a long time moving forward. And I think that these 
I, this idea of having a widget on any website, if I'm a provider and I have my practice's website, this to me seems like just a no brainer. Put something on there where, you know, at home you can take a quick little screener and that will give you a sense of like, do I need to continue to pursue this? Um, so is that kind of the thought here and, and what has been like some of the conversations that you've had with folks providers that have been, you know, embedding these, uh, your screener on their website. Yes, Dave. So I, uh, that's absolutely, you know, the, the way we've also been, been seeing the trends evolve. I mean, we've developed these technologies way ahead of COVID-19, but suddenly when COVID-19 came, you know, it's suddenly like they just fell into place, you know, right. and providers suddenly realized where they fit in and why they're so important. Previously, you know, people are so hung up on doing things the way they've always done. But as soon as a crisis hits, um, it, it really kind of helps people to rethink and, 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 and invent, be inventive. So uh, our digital noise widget, you know, um, one of the things I should probably say is because we've kind of a tech spin out from the university and we work closely with academic institutions, everything we've done is, is, is validated. So we have a long list of 30, more than 30 peer-reviewed publications that have validated all our technology. So I think that also differentiates our yeah. widget, our online hearing test, you know, from many of the others that, um, you know, you can put a, a hearing test on your website that has no validation and, right. and, and there's no data to support it. But but but, but this digital noise test um, has been widely validated and that's why the WHO also has implemented it. And in fact, we've partnered with a number of big organizations. I'm thinking of 23andMe who have all also implemented our widget. And I think they've done, you know, more than 300,000 tests on, on, on their widgets for people who are doing their genomic screening. So and that's an exciting research area yeah. where we also involved in to see how can we link different, um, you know, uh, genetic variants to your performance on a on a hearing and noise test. Yeah, that's but in any case, to, to get back to the to the to the digital noise screener that you put in a website. I mean, for for clinicians, it's a wonderful way of actually marketing your practice. You're putting a service out there that's free of charge. People can go and do a, a validated, reliable screen in less than three minutes. And uh, of course, it's a lead generation tool. So audiologists can, yes. can utilize that to generate uh, leads directly into their practice. And it's a great tool to also, you know, capitalize on that with your digital marketing campaigns on, on, on whether that's Facebook uh, or, or Google SEO so to, to really get um, traction and, and get people's attention. Um, so, so, so the widget is, is linked into a back-end portal, which we call leads. Um, so the test, you can customize the test with your uh, logo and with the various kind of um, uh, colors that, that kind of fits your uh, brand. And, and, and then when someone finishes the test, they, they can leave their details and uh, you get a ping to look up their details and then contact them. Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad that you mentioned the lead gen side because from a business standpoint, this is a tremendous lead generation tool. And I love that you mentioned too, like making this part of a digital campaign. Like I can already see it, a Facebook ad that's like get your hearing tested in three minutes or, you know, get get a get a screening, something. And and I agree with you where by the audiologist for the audiologist. I think that's extremely important that this type of tool is being developed. Um you know, from audiologists who, who are doing this through the interest of like, we need, we understand the importance of um, providing a valid test. And so I love that. I think that's such a great actionable thing that any practice that, you know, anybody that's listening to this today, get in touch with what, because this is something that you could put into your website overnight. And, you know, I think it's so cool that you already have the back end system where you're just feeding them leads, you know, Hey, this person just took a test. These are hot leads that you can then follow up on and be like, Hey, I see that you just, you know, provided this and, uh, or you just did one of these hearing screeners. And that I guess is kind of a good segue into where I think this kind of can go is more of like a click to chat option. Right. And I want to get into your thoughts around 
you know, the, the reason I initially found you, I've, I've heard your name a number of times throughout the industry, but what really caught my attention was the piece that you wrote. I think it was the hearing, it was either the hearing review or the hearing journal, and it was about no touch and low touch models. And it was like right in April. And I remember reading it and I was like, this is it. This is a really sophisticated way to be thinking about how to, um, do business in a setting where you literally can't interact with somebody face to face, or maybe you can, but just a little bit. And so I'm just curious to get your thoughts as somebody that thinks about this day in and day out, if you're already capturing somebody's, you know, uh, attention, and then they're providing you with their little results through this rudimentary thing, it seems the next step would be, let's really have that consultation. And you're putting a bit of an onus on that person to say, you need to come and visit me in person. I mean, you're, if it's, if you're using the analogy of like, um, you know, the game of baseball or something, you're just setting yourself up with like two strikes, you know, you're, you're, you're limiting your odds of actually seeing that person because you're providing them with another excuse to say, no, they'll say, well, there was absolutely no friction for me to take that hearing screener on your website that took me three minutes. But now, not only are you asking for a time commitment, but you're kind of asking for an emotional commitment too, because you're making me recognize that I might be perceiving a problem that warrants me to take two hours or however long outside of my day. So I kind of tend to think that if you can make that less of a commitment from the patient where they say, okay, I've committed three minutes to this. Now I can commit a 20 minute Zoom consultation, um, you know, but it would be through some sort of HIPAA compliant platform. Uh, That to me seems like a really actionable thing that again, practices can start to implement, not necessarily at scale and say, this is how the the end all be all, this is how we're going to do business. I kind of like the idea of a hybrid model. But again, part of what the pandemic did was it highlighted the the need for these kinds of things in certain situations. And so you kind of can slowly put your foot into the water and say, all right, now we're going to start to flesh out what this aspect of my new service offering would look like. What, what are your thoughts on this? Yes, Dave, you raise a, a lot of very interesting and very valid points. So, I mean, th- th- there's, a, there's, a, there's a very you know, interesting world out there of research in terms of how do you convert a lead, you know, um, and get someone to actually make an appointment in the practice. And, and really, I mean, here you're absolutely right. We've developed this software with the audiologist in mind to see how can we support them? How can this technology help them to build their practice? It should be a tool that allows them to really maximize, uh, you know, their reach. And, and it should be available to the small small guys as well. You, you shouldn't be a multi-site practice to be able yes. to utilize this technology, right? Um, so maybe I should say the first thing is to to generate your, a widget is extremely simple. You, you can go on the website, you choose your package, you can put your logo on, you can choose your colors, and then you literally generate a little bit of code. It's a code snippet, and you could put it in your into your own um, website uh, backend platform or, or get your web developer to do it. And then it opens up an A-frame that uh, has this test run in your website, but it looks exactly like it's embedded in your in your own website. So that's just that. to say it's very simple. It doesn't take any you know um, technical guru uh, to actually do it. Even I can do it. Um, so that's the one thing. But but the integration and the conversion of leads from you know when someone's done the test, how do you convert them? Because it's one thing to do the test. And, and we've got done a number of studies to see how, where the drop-offs are. So some of the things we've done is to optimize, you know, the, the different pathways. And um, audiologists can also choose how they want to set up the widget and the result. So one option is to, you know, before you view the result, um, you ask for their details. And, and it's so that you can send them some information about healthy hearing habits, for example, right? So, um, or you could give them the result first and then ask for their details if they, if they want it. What we've also done is some bespoke solutions for um, for certain you know bigger practice groups where you can after you've done the test uh, make an appointment directly into the practice. So so the widget integrates with practice management software. So and of course that's actually the best way to 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 do this and then to have the functionality of of, of a chat function. So if there's someone who can manage a live chat in real time. Then, then that's an option to include in some of, in the bespoke uh, widget options. 
Uh, this is all just so great because uh, I love, you know, first off, I love that you mentioned that this is for anybody, like any kind of practice out there. And really, again, I keep talking about like the pandemic, but I think that, um, you know, this is going to necessitate a whole lot of new services in there for service providers. And I think it's really cool that you are building this with, you know, the mom and pop practitioner in mind that might just have one practice, because I think that, you know, we need to provide all of these different clinicians with tools so that they can, I think it wasn't as if people said, I don't want to necessarily embrace all of these telehealth options, these remote services. I think it was more like, okay, it kind of exists. And first off, I don't know where to even begin. And then second off, I don't have the processes in place to really fully implement this into my practice. And so I think it was kind of like a, you know, fly by the seat of your pants, but I do think that that's a really important thing. And I love that you mentioned, you know, this idea of having a chat system in place. I mean, in my mind, what's if, you know, for a professional out there and and practice owners, I think that the way they can be thinking this is like just one piece at a time, right? You know, you need a chat option, a click to chat option. Do you, do you integrate Facebook messenger onto your website, right? Is that the chat system that you prefer? Does your web service host, do they have that option? Regardless, I think it's an awesome thing to be thinking about and pursuing because to your point, all of these things start to then become a cohesive offering, right? You take that screener and then you immediately get hit with an email or something that's automated where the practice, it's just not a lot of burden on their end. That's how this is, I think, ultimately going to really become adopted at scale in this industry is for the, the a lot of these new vendors, I think, or existing vendors to make it so turnkey and simple for the practice owner to just turn it on. And it's really, really easy to then integrate into their practice. Yeah, exactly, Dave. And, and you know, one of the other things, it's not just the fact that you get a urine test result on these patients. We also ask a couple of questions. And, and one of the important questions we ask um, people who take the screening test beforehand is, is um, based on a staging algorithm that classifies them uh, in terms of their readiness to take action. So that way you can reclassify on the back end uh, the the, um, readiness of this lead. So you can actually prioritize those people who are ready to take action. They're not just thinking they may have hearing loss and the hearing test may indicate that they do have some kind of problem. But, but they're actually ready to take up an intervention. And those are the people that you want to you know, contact straight away. Your, your discussion with them will be very different than your discussion will be with someone who says, you know, I'm thinking about um, uh, a, right. a hearing appointment or a hearing loss. So you can really tailor and personalize your approach as well based on the results you get on um, these consumers really who finish this test on your website. So, so it's not just the hearing test. And, and of course, it's a screening test because it's online, but in fact, we get the audiologist on the back end gets a signal to noise ratio. And uh, because we validated all this normative data, it's really a, a diagnostic value that you can utilize to determine the severity of this person's hearing loss as well. They only get it as a screening result, but you as the audiologist get a detailed result on what their ability is to hear speech in, in, in noise. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Again, the robustness is only going to grow, I think. I think that if you look at the the broad trajectory here, you can see that this is only going to become more robust in time with the type of data that you can get and the type of insight that you can gather. I just recently listened to a very interesting podcast um, with the founder of Teladoc. And, you know, I think it's important for anybody that's thinking about this stuff to to really get an idea of what's happening in, in the broader healthcare system, because there's two things that are really happening. First of all, the behavioral shift, right? So you have to look at the way that people are thinking about, you know, what were what one of the biggest limitations that he cited with telehealth in general prior to the pandemic was the the um, more or less the adoption of video chat. And, and it was a foreign concept for a lot of people, but what one of the things the pandemic has done is it's ushered in a, a very high level of, of widespread competence of how to use Zoom, Google Meet, all of these different things. So there has been a major behavioral change in terms of how people access 
these kinds of video chat services. And the other thing he said, and I'm going to tie these two together is he said, we don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system and we have a tendency to just treat people when they're sick. And that's why I love what you just said right there, where you might have some people that if you can give them a more approachable entryway into your entree of services. So not to say the only reason that you should ever contact me is if you feel as if you need a hearing aid, that really sort of puts you at a disservice for the, all the, you know, if that average time span, I've, I saw it went from being seven, now they're saying 10 years uh, between when you recognize you have a hearing loss and when you take action on it. So what about all those people that are in that 10 year gap? And I think that what you're talking about here is this ability to appeal to those people where you're not necessarily saying like, look, you're going to schedule time with me and you're going to fall into my funnel of leads and you're going to work your way up to, I'm going to eventually, I'm going to sell you a hearing aid. I don't think it needs to be like that. I think that it can be, let's just get you a consultation to have a conversation about where you stand. And as these types of remote tests and screeners become more robust and they have you know, a higher yield of insight. And so you can have a conversation to say, look, this is maybe where you have a little bit of a deficiency. Here's the types of things to watch out for. And so again, you have a, pop, a population of people that are becoming way, way more adapt at, uh, adept at these kinds of consultations and video chat and all that. And then in addition, you have a lot of people that are becoming way more health conscious with this preventative health mindset where they're saying, I don't want to wait until my hearing is shot and all this. I would rather have a conversation today about how I can preserve what I have. And that to me is like what all of this sort of turns into is it becomes something that you're kind of appealing to a totally different type of patient than I think most providers have ever really seen before. Yep. And, 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 and I like the, the, the way you've put that, uh, Dave. I mean, we're, we're reaching a different cohort of people online, but that cohort has also dramatically increased over the last year, right? The, uh, with, with the entire COVID um, pandemic changing, you know, digital habits uh, entirely. And um, I mean, a, a recent survey I, I saw from Ericsson Mobile, a connectivity report they sent out, they did a large survey in the UK and the US, and they asked people, you know, um, oh, what are their views about physician uh, consultations in the future, you know, considering what the, the COVID pandemic, pandemic and and six out of 10 persons in the UK and the US uh, said that they predicted that uh, virtual physician uh, um, appointments are going to be more popular than face-to-face appointments. I mean, I think that's a massive shift, right? So, so people are shifting towards this kind of uh, virtual platform. But uh, this is also, you know, in, in, in lieu of what you said, um, this is also where the clinician become so important right I mean the test is great to have but in the end it's the clinician and their ability to connect to the patient 100% and and and, you know what we've found is that you know this is just a tool to get you talking to a patient and uh, ultimately that's where you know it's become so important as a clinician to differentiate yourself and, and not just be a dispenser but actually be a a clinician who connects with the patient's needs understanding where they're coming from the, the whole person-centered concept of care and, and maybe it's worth just kind of making a a, a mention here of, of some very useful teleaudiology tools as well um, that's provi- that are provided by the ida institute and and they're also free of charge and you can actually embed them into your website as well um, to help patients prepare for their first appointment so typically what we would recommend is you have a hearing test you have a consultation with them send them uh, the link to some of these tools to prepare for your first appointment. And it helps the patient to actually think, reflect about what's going to happen, but also about you know, um, uh, the, the potential treatments and the potential upsides of, uh, uh, of coming to an appointment ready so that they can make decisions there that are in their best interest. So, so I, th- I think you've touched on an important point here that the, the, the person-centeredness of these approaches are, are, are really great. And sometimes people think that technology is opposed to the, that clinician um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. approach. But I, I think they work beautifully together, hand in hand, to support each other. Well, I love that you say that because, you know, um, 
I don't look at this at all as like a replacement or anything like that. I think that this is ultimately a way to amplify and extend your value. Um, I think that the providers that really grab the bull by the horns here and adopt a lot of this will more or less just be able to facilitate their services that much more. I mean, I think it's going to create a massive surge of efficiencies um, because again, you know, it's not to say that you won't have face-to-face visits. I don't think that's going any uh, away anytime soon. A lot of people prefer that method, but you're tapping into the portion of people that would love to just have that 20 minute consultation with you. And at the heart of this whole thing is just like you said, these tests and and screeners and all these different tools, they're just a means to gather more information, to have a more, a more comprehensive conversation, I think. And, you know, so it's not as if a algorithm or, um, you know, some, uh, online player can can just come in and, and disrupt that because really what we're talking about is the knowledge and expertise that comes along with years and years of of being in this profession and harnessing you know really the the wisdom that comes with being a professional in this space. So you're not talking about disrupting that value per se. You're talking about creating a means to extend and amplify that value, and that to me means that you're going to be able to just charge more for, you know, you'll be able to, if, if the cost of hearing aids continues to goes down, which I'm sure it will. Um, and you're, you're, you know, looking to compensate for that revenue. That's, um, not going to be there. It seems like the thing that will be in high demand for in, in, an increasing amount of demand is going to be that consultative. I need to have a conversation with you to even understand where I stand and, and building those relationships over time. Some of those people might end up buying some, something from you, but a lot of those people in terms of how they're customers, more or less, they're just going to, you're going to bill them for your time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, th- I think you're touching on, on some of the sensitive points for, for the audiology industry at the moment, right? Is uh um, where does our value lie? Is, is it in doing uh, audiometric assessment or, or is it in providing hearing aid? And I think, yes, all of those things are important, but, but at, uh, at the heart of what's most important is that we are professionals providing professional service and, and our consultations and our time should be valued as, as, as such. And, and, and I think, you know, technologies in, in my view should be there to to allow us to do all these technical assessments and all these uh, you know um provisions of, of hearing aids very well but they should also be there to free us up to to really connect with patients understand where they're coming from and and providing them with the care that they need we know patients with hearing loss um uh, it's it's not just a matter of putting on a pair of glasses, right? If you put on a pair of hearing aids or amplification, it has to be personalized and uh, and it goes along with a lot of hand holding and support. Um, and, and that's really the, the value of, of the clinician. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. So you have the hearing screener. Let's get into a few more of these services or product offerings that you have. I love this theme of empowering practices. So what else falls along that same vein as the hearing screener? Yes. So uh, the hearing screener and on the online widget is a good example of kind of on the continuum to, to, to reach new patients. Right. And, 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 and that's, that, that's important. But if we think of, you know, how, how do we take the next step um, to do some kind of diagnostic testing, especially in a, in a, in a COVID world, um, we kind of combined a lot of the technologies that we've developed during COVID-19 and, and, and produced a new product offering that we called the self-test kit that uh, was developed particularly to enable low touch and, uh, and even no touch models of audiological service delivery. And um, what we did is it's a, it's a tablet-based device with a calibrated pair of headphones uh, that can be sent out to someone's home. Very simple to open it up, put the headphones on and then go through a comprehensive assessment of hearing. So it's not just a screening. So, so what we do there is, um, we do a, a, a pure tone audiogram, uh, so they get instructed, and, and it's a self-guided assessment. So you know someone can do this by themselves, or if they have a significant other in their home, that person can also support them to do the test. But it does this pure tone audiogram, and then we do a speech and noise test as well. So digits and noise test right after that. 
And uh, we developed a proprietary algorithm um, uh, during COVID-19 um, that, that the, and we've just published it in the International Journal of Audiology, that then utilizes the speech and noise result, your peotone audiogram, and using a logistic regression analysis that also incorporates the age of the person, we can then determine whether they have a um, conductive hearing loss or whether they have a sensory neural hearing loss. So in other words, you can test outside of conventional environments. You don't, don't have to do this testing in a sound booth. It's in someone's home. It could be a curbside assessment or a drive-through type of assessment to really reduce the time and the, and the, and the, and the, and the um, risk for some of these patients. Um, and, and then the idea is that from there, you know, you can prescribe a treatment for these patients. You can either see that they have a medical issue, which is the minority of these um, subjects, and they could be referred to a medical practi practitioner's office. Or if they have sensory neural hearing loss, you could already have a discussion with them about the types of devices that are available, their fitting ranges. And if they are willing to trial a device, you know, you could actually set up a device pre-fitted and have them, you know, come in for a very quick assessment where you just put on a device and then have them go for, for a hearing aid trial. And that's a good example of a low touch model of care, right? So the assessments may happen outside of the clinic. They may come in for a very quick fitting of the hearing aid and that's it. So it's one appointment and then they do the trial and then the support can be done remotely. So, so the self-test kit has been, has been really popular during COVID-19. It's widely used and it's really has filled the gap uh, traditionally, teleaudiology models, you know, allowed for the screening and the support of existing patients, but it's that gap in between. How do we provide an assessment for new patients um, in a remote way, you know, or in an unconventional way outside of a clinic? Yeah, no, I think that's uh, really, really interesting. So let me understand this. So um, you send out this self-test kit. Does there need to be a professional on the other end of it while they're doing the test, or is it all done by the patient on their own and then the test results get assessed by the professional? Yeah, that's a good question. Let me clarify. So, so there's two ways in which that can be done. The, the one is it can happen, you know, where they literally open it up, they go through the instructions, they do the testing. It takes about, you know, 12 to 15 minutes to run through the assessment. Um, and it syncs back to the cloud um, and, the, and the audiologist can remotely review the results and then connect with the patient and provide them with a consultation. If the patient has difficulty in the setup and they have difficulty, you know, understanding in the instructions, the audiologist can connect in real time as well with them to support them and talk them kind of through the instructions. In our experience, that's, that's very rarely necessary. Um, but, but that's certainly an option. The idea is it should also free up the time from the audiologist so that they can then schedule an appointment slot to have this discussion with the patient. So, so, so in terms of the type of hearing loss, the degree of hearing loss, what kinds of treatment options are available. And that way the audiologist also comes at the appointment prepared, right? And, and, and so they can make the right recommendations, take them through some examples of samples and, and, and that can obviously be done virtually you know, to reduce the risk. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's a really fascinating way to, uh, again, sort of make, create efficiencies. Um, like you said, administer the test to where it's so easy, they can do it on their own. And then you have that conversation afterwards. So they still feel like there's a significant amount of value of working with the provider. Um, not to mention that they got this very professional looking test administered to them. So it, it goes again to this notion of like, you have to create an experience in today's day and age with big, big box retail, with all these online players that is unique and that puts the provider's value front and center. And I think that that totally does. Um, so the, the other thing I wanted to talk about um, briefly is Lexi Lumen. So you guys did just launch a line of your own hearing aids, I understand. So can you tell me a little bit about the goal here with these hearing aids and, and kind of what's happened so far since you've launched them? Sure, Dave. I mean, uh, you know, the, the solutions we've been discussing up until now, and, and there's a number of other solutions as well, cool ones that, that, that that's always interesting to talk about. And maybe at some other point we could do that. You know, that they're all intended for the 
clinical space. So for audiologists to, to support them in their practice, maybe other healthcare providers, ENTs, general practitioners, but then also lay health workers, community health workers, etc. So it's a clinical, uh, they're clinical solutions, they're FDA approved, um, the companies are ISO 13485 medical device certified companies. So all of those are kind of our business to business solutions. Yeah, that makes sense. That are intended for 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 for, 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 for professionals. Yeah. So so what you've mentioned now is is kind of our foray into um, a, a, a direct to consumer um, uh, service uh, provision, and 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 you know we we really. It kind of fits with our vision of healthy hearing for everyone everywhere. Um, initially, we started with screening, diagnostics, and now we've moved into providing intervention as well. So we're able to actually combine those test results and do a fitting of a hearing device based on our technology. So, so we've always had that in mind. This is our first foray. Um, so, so, so Lexi Lumen is a direct-to-consumer uh, hearing care service. We believe it's a comprehensive service. So it's not just providing a device, but it's actually providing a comprehensive hearing care package to um, consumers. We know there's a big, vast number of consumers already searching online for services, right? So these are people who are probably... And not uh, the guys who are going to come into a, a clinic. Um, they're probably not there yet. They may have milder hearing losses, mild to moderate hearing losses, or cost may be a barrier to them. Yep. So they're searching online. So we, we really wanted to provide a, a comprehensive solution for, for, for that group of people. And Alexi Hearing, um, we believe, kind of hits that mark really well. I mean, the feedback we've gotten from this direct-to-consumer um, service and, and hearing aid provision has been extremely well. I mean, uh, the reviews uh, have been excellent. Um, so um, let, me, let me just kind of highlight the, the main kind of components of how uh, Lexi Hearing works. We provide a high-quality digital hearing aid um, to these consumers at a very affordable cost point. It's a 16-channel device uh, with directionality um, and with slim tubes. So it's also, you know, nearly invisible when you wear them. Um, but what's really great about the product is that we've used all our digital technologies to integrate with the hearing aid. So someone who purchases the set of hearing aids gets them delivered to their home. They download our Lexi hearing app from the Android or the iOS app store. And they then connect with the devices via Bluetooth, They're very straightforward instructions on how to set them up. And then you do a, a hearing test, the in-situ hearing test from the app um, directly, um, you know, through the hearing aids. And these, this is, we've been, we validated as well. So it's extremely accurate. Once you've done the hearing test, you press program and it programs your hearing aids exactly according to your uh, audiogram. Um, so then you have a fitted pair of hearing aids, but then we also have developed a, a climatization or a retention program, you know, based on uh, the evidence that's out there in terms of what do patients need to acclimatize to their hearing aids. And this is delivered through the app. So they get little videos, they get calls from the call center, and they have little activities that they participate in to help them get used to these hearing aids. We know that first week in particular is very important. So we focus there um, uh, very much. Uh, and then we have a, a call center, a hearing hub with hearing experts. Um, they're all uh, audiology trained and they uh, provide support, not just technically, technical support, but actually this handholding to help the patients get used to their hearing aids. They listen to them and they can remotely program the hearing aids as well. So they can connect through the call center to the device and do fine tuning for these individuals. And then maybe just on the pricing side, you know, what we've also done there is we've brought the cost down for the once off purchase, but most people go for the subscription. So we have a, a monthly subscription. So it comes down to $49 per month. And that includes everything, the hearing aids, includes the batteries, includes all the disposables. So it's literally all in one package. And, um, and, and we've also, we're the only and the first hearing aid provider that uses a behavioral incentive program. So the more people wear their hearing aids and we track their usage through the app, um, the more discounts they get. So, so, so if we want to encourage healthy hearing habits. So the more people use their hearing aids, 
the, the more they can reduce their monthly costs and, and, and get discounts on um, accessories, et cetera. Yeah, that's actually touching on something that uh, we'll have to have a conversation, a broad conversation about that someday, because I think that uh, is fascinating. And it's, again, one of these things that if you look outside of the industry, it's happening very, uh, it's happening in a lot of different places. Um, there was actually, before Google bought Fitbit, um, Fitbit had signed a deal with the government of Singapore um, all around, you know, more or less, you uh, you know, wearing these fitness trackers and um, the government kind of incentivizing you in a various number of ways. You get benefits, you get all kinds of different things if you wear it. So encouraging healthy behavior. Um, but I do think that's a really interesting facet of this is to, you know, a lot of these hearing aids today, you can actually see a lot of the usage data of them. And again, this ties into where I think um, sort of the value proposition of the provider of the future will reside is, understanding what the, you know, kind of the, the, the usage of the hearing aid has been like and, and talking through, you know, why aren't you wearing them in this situation? Why are you wearing them in that situation? Um, Cause without that kind of data, you're sort of uh, everything's just sort of on a, you know, tell me about your experience and it's at a very abstract level, but when you can get into the nitty gritty and you can see every day around two to 4 PM, you don't wear your hearing aids. Why is that? You can have a conversation about that. And maybe you provide a, uh, a you know, some sort of um, comp you, you, you compensate in some way to make it so that that for whatever reason, maybe that period of time is now a little bit more appealing to wear their hearing aids. So I do think that it's representative. I think these, you know, the first step was Bluetooth connectivity, which, you know, happened at the beginning of the 2010s in that decade. And now we've seen basically universal connectivity. Um, so the next phase I think is going to be really fascinating that now that we have the connectivity more or less in all of these different kinds of devices, and you have devices like yours that are much more accessible. Um, I keep thinking about the beginning of the conversation where, you know, you have parts of Africa that they're there's no way they could afford for the types of, you know, products that exist. So we have to meet people where they are. And I think that this idea of a subscription model is, is pretty brilliant. I won't, I would not be surprised if that um, becomes a more prevalent business model uh, moving forward with a lot of these types of items. Um, I just think the subscription model, particularly when you factor in the ability to upgrade and those kinds of things, it, it just makes a lot of sense to me. So I know we're getting close here to the end. Um, any closing thoughts, anything that you want to say to professionals out there, consumers, uh, patients um, about the Herex group and, and sort of like why we should all be keeping an eye on you? Because I think that even in the five years that you guys have been around, um, you've really done a lot. And I think that the pandemic has only, I think, highlighted the potential for uh, the, you know, the remote services and these telehealth oriented options that exist. So I'm keeping an eye on you, but curious to get your thoughts on like, what, what, what should we be keeping an eye on across the next few years with Hurex? Dave, yes. I mean, it's an exciting <laughs> era, right? And COVID has, you know, uh, been a really negative influence on, on many different uh, businesses and, 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 and uh, new in industries. In, in our instance, you know, it's actually been a, a very fortunate, good time for us because, you know, our technologies have just kind of fit in the gap. And uh, you mentioned some of the big trends around TeleDoc and some of the telemedicine platforms. That's certainly the area that where we believe, you know, we, we can really make a difference in and where we're already, um, you know, playing with some of, the, some of the big partners around the world in terms of providing our digital solutions there. Um, I, we really see ourselves to reach this vision of healthy hearing for everyone everywhere. And that means, you know, we utilize our strength, which is the fact that we, we're a digital hearing tech company. We specialize on digital hearing technologies. We have about um, 65 people working um, on these solutions at the moment. Um, we have a call center set up to support patients. So we have these two divisions. I've shared the clinical part where we want to support clinicians um, with these digital technologies. But then we've also now launched this uh, consumer business. 
and where we really believe we're kind of pushing some of the boundaries in terms of being innovative around both the financing models, but also um, the service delivery being comprehensive, utilizing the data we get. So we're a data-driven company as well. We utilize data. A lot of our technologies use AI and machine learning as well to optimize and improve the way in which we do things. Um, and, and we really believe that's going to be the continuous trend as we refine, you know, this the, the, this platform. We we believe, you know, the Lexi um, platform is is a platform that will continue to provide different types of hearing aids as well. It's not the device is a small component of what Lexi is about. Lexi is a comprehensive care package that relies on a digital ecosystem, and, and we we believe that that that's really kind of uh, the direction that the industry should be moving. You know, the technology is converging, so yeah, th there's not so much difference between the technologies these days. It's actually the way they can integrate, yeah, and the way we can utilize the data to incentivize people. I loved what you said. You know, it's not just about treating, but we want to incentivize uh, healthy living and healthy hearing habits and, and we believe with the way in which we can track the data give people feedback through their devices um that's really the direction we're moving in yeah no well said this has been such an awesome conversation um definitely need to have you come back on the podcast at a future date to continue the conversation because I got a lot of things going on in my mind right now, just racing a mile a minute about some of the things that you said. And uh, like I said, you know, during the the enterprise portion where we talked about a lot of the B2B services, I know a lot of my audience is uh, professionals out there. And so I, I hope that that really resonates with them because I'm, I'm firmly of the mind that uh, we as an industry are going to need to move in this direction, become more uh, remote oriented. It's not to say again that the the old way of doing business is going anywhere, but I think that we need to augment a lot of these things and be cognizant of you know each uh, approaching it as a piecemeal type operation where you know little by little you just slowly integrate these different services in there and you become a little bit more conducive to remote services. So Devet, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end, and we will chat with you next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.